Hi, I'm Dr. Rebecca May, and this is Arcana Advances. Follow along as we explore all renal research happenings at Arcana Laboratories. Hi, welcome to Arcana Advances, where we discuss exciting new research in renal pathology performed by our own physicians. I'm Dr. Rebecca May, and today we have Dr. Chris Larson, who will be discussing a pair of his recent publications. The first in KI Reports is titled, Collapsing Glomerulopathy in a Patient with COVID-19. This was followed shortly afterwards by a rapid communication in Jason titled, AKI and Collapsing Glomerulopathy Associated with COVID-19, and the ApoL1 high-risk genotype. Thanks so much for joining us, Dr. Hey, thank Larson. you for having me. Pleasure to be here. I thought it was a good idea to discuss these together as they were published very early in the COVID-19 pandemic in the U.S. in April and May of 2020. Yeah. So the spring of 2020, we all remember, was very uncertain time. We didn't know why the severity of COVID-19 was different among different patients and how it would impact kidney function. In fact, many procedures were actually halted in the U.S., and the number of kidney biopsies drastically reduced. But you received a kidney biopsy from a patient with COVID-19 very early in the pandemic. Can you tell us how the patient presented? The patient presented with acute kidney injury. It was later realized that they also had nephrotic range proteinuria. Okay, and uh, what were the demographics of the patient? It was an African-American patient. I don't have the case report in front of me, but maybe you could, you know. It, oh, yeah, yeah. It was an African-American patient with acute kidney injury. Yes. It was a 44-year-old African-American female. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, what did you see on kidney biopsy? So the kidney biopsy showed a classic collapsing glomerulopathy. Okay, and on EM, you saw something interesting as well. Right. So there was the expected widespread epithelial foot process effacement that you typically see in collapsing. And in addition, we did see uh, tubular reticular inclusions as well, which are so-called the, the footprints of interferon would indicate an elevated ear interferon state in the patient. And did you see any viral particles on EM? No, and that was a, that was a big controversy at the time. Many of these patients were developing acute kidney injury and there was uh, quite a lot of conversation, and in fact, there still is. I think a lot of people are tired of the conversation about <laughs> whether or not the kidney injury was the result of a direct infection of the kidney, or is this more of a systemic disease that is accompanied by uh, kidney injury as well? Mm -hmm. So you really looked and didn't see any viral particles that you could say were specific to COVID. No, no, there was there were there were definitely no viral particles that were definite variants. And you also did ish for SARS RNA, mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. And what did you find there? So here at Arcana, we pretty early brought on the inside to hybridization for uh, SARS. In that case, we did not find any evidence of uh, COVID nucleic acid in the kidney. So in mm -hmm. other words, we, we did not see any direct infection. Within the biopsy tissue that we had, we did not see any evidence of the virus in the, in the parenchyma of the kidney. And we also uh, would perform that analysis by immunohistochemistry. So mm -hmm. in situ, you're looking for the nucleic acid. Immunohistochemistry, you're looking for the presence of the protein. You're using antibodies. And so Regardless of which way you look at it, we don't see any evidence in the vast majority of biopsies from patients with, with COVID-19 
did not see any evidence of the presence of virus within the parenchyma of the kidney. And then you went on to do ApoL1 genotyping, right? right? And why did you decide to do that? So ApoL1-associated nephropathy is a disease of African Americans, and there's a spectrum of what you see uh, clinically and in the biopsy, and it ranges all the way from slowly progressive chronic kidney disease in which you see just bland chronic injury that's relatively nonspecific, things like global sclerosis, interstitial fibrosis, that final common pathway that ranges all the way. The other end of the spectrum is collapsing glomerulopathy. That is the most fulminant form of ApoL1-associated nephropathy. Usually, these patients are going to have rapidly progressive decline in renal function, and they oftentimes are going to progress within a year, one to two years, to end-stage kidney disease. And so, since we were seeing collapsing uh, in this patient, anytime we see collapsing glomerulopathy, particularly if it's an African-American patient, we are going to implicate ApoL1. And we also see this in HIV, right? That's As right. A, so it's thought to be a second hit on... That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. So in, in general, ApoL1, it's, it's not always. Sometimes you don't have any recognizable second hit or mm-hmm. you know, second process, but frequently there will be another process that's driving the disease as well. So it's kind of like a, the, the, the ApoL1 is necessary. It, it's, it, it's there most of the time, but you have to have something else that incites uh, the collapsing glomerulopathy. So in this case, and so one of the more common ones, to, uh, to your point, the, the most classic association is HIV. Mm-hmm. HIV-associated nephropathy is is, is an, is an ApoL1-associated nephropathy with collapsing glomerulopathy in patients with HIV, and, but other viruses as well. We've seen that in, we see that in CMV. Uh, parvovirus B19 is oftentimes talked about. So there are other viruses, but also other inflammatory states. So particularly autoimmune disease like lupus nephritis is associated uh, in, with collapsing glomerulopathy in patients with two risk alleles. So any of these inflammatory, many of them are inflammatory states. And so uh, when, when we got this biopsy from a patient with COVID who was African-American, we see collapsing. The immediate thought or the kind of the obvious thought was that perhaps COVID is capable of being that second hit in these patients with two risk alleles. And of course, that's, that was not something we wanted to, to, in the middle of a pandemic, to realize that this uh, at-risk population might be further at risk because of this was not something we wanted to, nobody wanted to see or hear that, but it did seem to, that was the initial hypothesis, you know, mm-hmm. when we saw this biopsy, or that's what we, that's where, I guess that's what we immediately thought. And this patient did turn out to have two risk alleles she, then, Yes, right? yes, that's right, she did. She, she was homozygous for ApoL1 risk alleles. Wow. So this publication was the first case of um, a kidney biopsy published during Mm COVID-19 during the pandemic from a living person, right? The other cases were all autopsy series at that point in the pandemic. It's been quite a while. It's been a year now. I remember... When I saw that case, if it, I think you're correct. All I had to go on were autopsy studies. There was mm-hmm. one big autopsy case series that was pre-pub at that point in time, and it was from China. Mm-hmm. And so it uh, did not include any African, yeah. obviously, any African-Americans, but really any patients of recent African ancestry at all. So 
uh, you know, of course, I didn't, you wouldn't be able to investigate any any role of APOL1 risk alleles in a, in a Chinese population. So this was just so important to get out there at the time that you did when people started to recognize that this was happening. Yeah. In general, I don't like to publish case reports, but mm-hmm. occasionally you come across one that seems to have real significance and probably is an indication that we need to do additional study or look more into something and just trying to get get the word out. And so this was definitely one of those cases when we saw it, we wanted to, to publish it immediately. Mm-hmm. And then that sort of brings us into our next paper. So you published a, a small series about a month after the initial report of six patients with collapsing glomerulopathy and COVID-19. So how did you collect that group of patients? How did that start? So working with Juan Carlos Velez out of uh, Oshner, and we had discussed these cases several times. He had an interest as well in the possibility of the role of APOL1 in patients with COVID. So started working together. He saw several biopsy, several patients that he biopsied who had COVID, and we had seen several more as well. So we just put the put the cases together to put together a small case series. Mm-hmm. And what were the similarities among the six patients? So they were all African-American patients. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, the, the APOL1 uh, hypothesis really seemed to be proving true. And we did, we did genotype those patients, and all of them were homozygous for APOL1 risk alleles. That was the major similarity demographically and, you know, genotypically. They did have acute kidney injury as well. Mm-hmm. All of them presented with COVID infection, followed by within a couple of weeks, acute kidney injury. Mm-hmm. And you also did um, COVID-ish testing on these patients. And what did you see? Yes, they were all negative. So no, did not appear to be any infection of the kidney parenchyma by COVID. And then you took it a step further and did nanostring with mm-hmm. these cases. Can you describe what nanostring is? So Bob Colvin uh, performed that analysis for us, and it is really just a way to multiplex the detection. Most people use it for multiplexing uh, detection of nucleic acids, but you could use it for proteins, RNA, DNA. You can look at a, you can inter- interrogate simultaneously about eight hundred uh, different. Wow. Yeah, about eight hundred different. Most people use it for RNA, but it could be also be used for proteins and DNA, like I said. And so you did this, um, use nanostring on the six samples from these patients. Mm-hmm. And did you detect any COVID signal? No, no COVID signal. So confirming what we saw by in situ hybridization, there was no COVID signal there by nanostring either. And what did the analysis find? I'm going to have to jog my memory. It showed essentially that there were uh, several inflammatory pathways, kind of cytokine pathways were seemed to show increased expression in the biopsies from COVID patients who had collapsing glomerulopathy. So like signals for tubular injury, chemokines, cytokines, yes. Ig, all these sorts of things were popping up. And that sort of goes along with the idea of a second hit. That's right. Right? Right. So that makes sense. And all these patients had the two risk alleles. So could you just summarize, I think you've been doing a great job describing why this has happened, but these studies really suggested a mechanism for COVID leading to collapsing. So can you just summarize that for everyone? 
Collapsing glomerulopathy is primarily seen in African-American patients who are homozygous for APOL1 risk alleles. In general, it is seen most of the time, or not, it's frequently seen in association with other diseases that have an elevated uh, inflammatory milieu. And, and in particular, it seems as though diseases that have elevated interferon states. So classically described in HIV-associated nephropathy, but also seen with other viruses, CMV, parvovirus 19, B19, and more recently, COVID-19. But also other inflammatory diseases as well are associated with collapsing. Uh, it's been well described in lupus nephritis. Uh, lupus patients who have two risk alleles will develop collapsing glomerulopathy as well. So there, is, there does seem to be a connection between elevated interferon states and collapsing glomerulopathy. One thing I didn't mention is that even if you give a patient, it's not even just, it's not just elevated in interferon states, but even if you give a patient exogenous interferon, these patients will develop collapsing glomerulopathy if they have 2 apoil one risk allele. So there's a close connection there. Yeah. So really, I mean, very early in the pandemic, you made the important observation that these patients with two risk alleles are at an even higher re risk for um, for kidney disease and a really aggressive kidney disease and sort of fleshed out the mechanism for that even uh, a bit by well, I guess, maybe not direct wait, viral wait, infection, but exactly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know more. That there is still quite a lot of mystery surrounding collapsing glomerulopathy mm -hmm. and how APOL1 is leading to that, uh, this disease. So I would say in this in this work, in this in these this case series, and in this case report, more or less, we were able to show that this is not resulting from an infection of the kidney itself. That mm -hmm. this is probably related to a systemic inflammatory response that is driving kind of a it is acting as the second hit driving the collapsing glomerulopathy in these patients who have two risk alleles. Well great. Thank you so much for doing this work and getting it out there so quickly early yeah. on. It was it was definitely interesting work and uh, really grateful for the collaborators that I had to work on it with, particularly Juan Carlos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. You can follow us on uh, Twitter at Arcana Labs. And Dr. Larson, do you want to share your Twitter handle for everyone? It is at renalpathdoc. Great. Well, thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Thank you for listening. This podcast and more can be found in the iTunes store. For more information and educational programming like this, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, or visit us on the web at arcanalabs.com.